We're reading first from Numbers chapter 20, and then we're reading from Mark chapter 16. Listen to hear what God has for you this morning. Now there was no water for the community. So numbers, we're back at the beginning of things. We're with Moses and he's brought the people across the Sea of Reeds, the Red Sea, and they're hanging out in the desert and the people, as we do, are complaining. <laughs> so what, they're complaining because they're thirsty. So there was no water for the community and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and his brother Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, if we only had died where our brothers fell before the Lord, why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain, no figs, no grapevines, no pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. We should have just died. Why don't you just kill us now? So Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take your staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. Hmm, more magic. Holy magic. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him, and he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, he probably used a stronger word, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff, water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. And we move several hundred years forward, several thousand years forward, I'm not sure, I lost count. But remember, it's not, you're not reading for the fact, you're reading for the story, you're reading for the message, you're reading to hear what is in this book that will speak to your life today. Clearly, we're talking about rocks today. So another rock story, Mark 16. So some of you may say, we're not supposed to be reading it now. This is Lent. This is an Easter story. It's a story for all times. It's a story for all ages. So Christ has been crucified and laid in the tomb. But it was late. It was Friday. It was the Sabbath. And so the women didn't have time to dress the body, to wash it, to prepare it for, with oils. And so this is what the women are going to do on Sunday morning after the Sabbath. So we read, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, mother, Mary, Mary Magdalene, that's one Mary, Mary, the mother of James, that's two Marys, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb. But when they looked up, 
they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. This, my friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we've got some stuff here. Were you wondering what was going on with the rocks? This is a new kind of communion. Um, we have a mason jar, and we are not serving, what do you call those things, mules? The, or moonshine or anything like that. Just two cups. And I've got here some sand, and I have some big rocks, and I've got some smaller rocks, and I have some little teeny pebbles, the kind of thing that you might see in the bottom of a fish tank, and some water. So do you think I can fit all of this stuff into this jar? What do you think? Yes, no. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. So think about what your strategy would be. You know, the key to life is knowing what strategy to use at the right time. So how would you start? With the big rocks? All right. So I tried this yesterday, and I started with the absolute biggest rocks, but then there were some gaps at the bottom. So I'm going to start with some pebbles and some sand to give us a base. And then I'm going to stick the big rocks in here. Now I'm going to put this one this way. And another big rock. And another big rock. And then I'm going to pour a little more pebbles and sand. One more big rock. Fill up the gaps. Then I'm going to take these smaller rocks, but they're still pretty big, put them in there, tamp it down. There's some gaps in here. So if, if, this, is, if this were craft time, I'd take it out and start over. But I think you, you get the point. I do have a sermon to deliver. Now, <laughs> this is not the sermon. So now I'm pouring sand and shaking it down. And those of you who were concerned about how straight the communion cups were would, by this time, be dumping it all out and starting again and putting it grain by grain in there so we fill it up. But you get the point here that we get the big rocks in and then we can add the sand and it fills in the gaps. And then we can pour the water in and the water fills up the rest. Let's see if we can do this. There it goes. Oh, I not great visuals. I can see it and you can't. Okay, here it goes, filling up, filling up, filling up. Oh, got it all in there. So look at that. Oh, and it's heavy. <laughs> I'm going to put the cover back on. Because Shelly told me I was going to have to clean up whatever mess I made because they don't pay to have sand in the vacuum cleaner. So I am doing that. Oh, and I have to put it in a straight line because it will make some people very upset if it's not. Line it up. Put that there. Does that work for you? Okay. I love this demonstration. 
at retreats, I do it as a contest. I ask who can fill up the jar, who can get the most stuff in the jar. And it's always fun to see where people start. Most people, some people start with the water and then they make a huge mess. Uh, most start with the pebbles and some never ever get to the big rocks, which speaks to many things. It speaks to the nature of our spatial intelligence. It speaks to how we address competing priorities. It speaks to our tendency to value quantity over quality. You have a higher value for the big rocks or for the sand. And it speaks to our culture where we save the biggest and the best for last. So take a moment and think. Um, if you were wondering what the theme was in our service today, it's rocks. Um, what are the big rocks in your life? Are the big rocks your work, your family, your health care, your spiritual life? Relatively speaking, what are your big rocks? And as the seasons of your life change, the big rocks may also change. But how much time do you spend on those big rocks? Do you spend most of your time on maintenance? Or do you spend time on the things that feed your soul? I'm assuming that your big rocks are the things that feed your soul. Sometimes the big rocks are not the things that take up most of your time, but they are the things that make the biggest difference in your life. Think of the recipe that you or someone who cooks might use for making a cake. No matter what kind of cake it is, you'll have large amounts of, relatively large amounts of flour and sugar and shortening. So in a basic cake, you'll have three to four cups of flour, sugar, and shortening. Don't think about it too much because then you won't want to eat the cake. Um, the recipe calls for very small amounts of flavoring and leavening. That's the stuff that makes the uh, cake rise. And flavoring, that's the stuff that makes it taste good. So you might have a quarter of a cup of cocoa. I'm allergic to the Basques and most of Southern California, but I'm not sick. So you, you may have a teaspoon of vanilla, which tastes horrible by itself, but tastes wonderful when it's part of the cake. So you might have a, a couple of teaspoons of spices. You wouldn't have all of that stuff, but you'll have a little bit. And so these are the things that make the cake a particular kind of cake, the things that make the cake special. And in actual measurements, it's probably 10% maybe, or fewer or less of the ingredients. The things that make the cake special in the recipe are the big rocks. You don't want to leave those out. Otherwise, you have this flour and sugar, and we don't know what it is. Is it a biscuit? I don't know what. Um, flour, sugar, shortening, who knows? So life is like that too. We spend most of our time on maintenance, eating, sleeping, cleaning, working. And for some of you, working is a big rock, and, and so I recognize that. But what are the things, not including the people or the pets, in your life that you don't have a lot of, but you cannot live your best life without? What gives you life? 
What brings you joy? What makes you, you? How you spend the time is most important and what you do with that time, the technique, the strategy makes a difference. Now, as a child, I do like to cook, I hadn't quite mastered the distinctions between beating the batter or mixing or stirring or just blending or folding. So I made a cake for my parents' anniversary and I beat that batter for so long that something happened to the gluten and the cake was kind of rubbery. My brother did try to bounce it and slightly translucent and it did bounce. Um, and my parents gallantly ate it. The frosting was good. It, it took me time to learn the technique. It took time for me to practice. And so if knowing how to cook well wasn't a big rock, then I would have been satisfied in producing mediocre meals. But I wasn't. So if you say you love cooking and you pay no attention to the ingredients you use or the techniques you employ, perhaps the joy is not cooking, perhaps it is eating or collecting cookbooks or making a mess that somebody else would clean up. How you do the things you do is as important as what you do the care and attention and time you give to the things you say give you life are your big rocks. If something makes you feel alive, are you as careful about scheduling time to do it as you are about paying your taxes on time? That might not be the best example for some of you I know. Um, or going to work or brushing your teeth. Do you put your big rocks in the jar first? Now, I love to sew, and people ask me, how do I have time for sewing? I schedule it. I schedule a week-long sewing retreat at least twice a year, and I block out a day or two each month just to sew. Didn't quite work yesterday because the power went out, and I wasn't really eager to try to do hand sewing by candlelight. I thought about it and I said, eh, leave that for the ancestors. When I was a kid, if I wanted to sew all day on a Saturday, on Thursday I'd ask my mother what weekend chores she had for me. And Thursday night and Friday, I would get those things done so that on Saturday I could sew. And then I would strut to church on Sunday, a little pride, I know, or school on Monday with something new to wear. Now here's another way to think about how you handle your big rocks. Think of a nine cell grill. Now grid, if these lights were up here in any kind of discernible order, we could do the grid on the ceiling, but it's not. So you're left to your imagination. Nine cells, so you know, three rows across, three rows down. So on one axis, you're gonna put mind, body, and spirit, so mind, body, spirit. And then on the other axis, rest, exercise, nutrition. So you've got nine cells. So what do you do? How do you rest your mind? How do you rest your body? How do you rest your spirit? How do you exercise your body? How do you exercise your mind? How do you exercise your spirit? 
How do you feed your mind? How do you feed your spirit? How do you feed your body? So take some time and fill in the grid and you'll probably notice some gaps. Perhaps you need more exercise for your body. Perhaps you need more rest for your mind. Perhaps you need nutrition for your spirit. Now here's where the 10% comes in. The 15 minutes that you give to meditation each day or the hour you spend in church each week or the trip to the Mexico border each spring, those may be your big rocks. Do you make sure they are always in the jar? Does your life reflect what you say is important to you? If we analyzed a report on how you spend your time and your money, what would that report say about your values? Does your time, the way you spend your time and your money, reflect what you say is most important to you? Now, in the Bible, according to the Bible Gateway website, which is a great resource, Bible Gateway, if you don't know it, there are over 500 uses of the word rock or stone. No, I did not count them. I took their word for it. And most of the references are metaphorical. The writers are not talking about actual rocks. They're talking about your life. They're talking about your relationship to God. There are lots of references to God as the solid rock on which we stand. He's my rock. He's my sword. He's my shield. One of my favorite rock stories is in Joshua. After the people of Israel had crossed the Jordan, he sent one person from each of the 12 tribes back into the water. He said, and bring out a stone. Use those stones to, I figure they're pretty big stones. Use their stones to build an altar so you can tell your children, these are the stones we walked on. This is how God saved us. The story we heard this morning tells of another way God saved the people. Strike the rock, he told Moses and Aaron, and the water will come out. In the New Testament, I have two favorites. One is Jesus' response to the cancel culture of that time. He said, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. And then the reading we had this morning. How will we get to Jesus, the women asked. Who will move the stone for us? Big rocks keep you from drowning. Big rocks keep you from sinking into the sand and the muck of life. The big rock will quench your thirst for life. God is the rock you stand on. God moves the rock that is a barrier. And Jesus, the teacher, says, don't waste your rock throwing it unnecessarily. Whether your big rock is something you need to have or something you need to attend to, if you don't put the big rocks in your jar of life first, there will be no room for them. Your jar will be filled with sand or pebbles or water. It will be full, but not with the most important thing. The goal is to fill the jar. If the jar is your life, 
If the jar is your spiritual practice, fill it up. But what are you going to put in it? What do the sand and the water and the pebbles represent for you? And what are your big rocks? See, this stuff is not hard, but it does take work. It takes clarity of intention, and it takes focused attention. Clarity of intention and focused attention. You can't just put it on a list. You need to schedule it. You need to make an appointment with yourself, and then you need to keep it. The smallest things in your life may be your biggest rocks. Amen.